Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. We now join our senior pastor, Dr. Chris Walker. I encourage you to take your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn to 1 Peter chapter 5 with me this morning. Just as a a reminder, or for those who are visiting, we finished up our series in Judges last week, and before we turn to the Gospel of Mark, I want to take a couple of weeks to look at what the Bible has to say about the shepherding responsibility of the church and its elders. Now you may be wondering, well, why is he taking a few weeks to talk about this topic? Two years ago, our session began a series of retreats to discuss our strengths and weaknesses as a church and to develop a a 10-year strategic plan to address some of the key areas our session wanted to see us grow as a church. And you've likely heard the result of those meetings at some point described in a a three-word tagline of reaching, welcoming, and shepherding. As we looked at those three things, as we make decisions about missions and evangelism, our session wanted to put an increased emphasis on reaching the unchurched in our community and the unreached around the world. Our Great Commission committees began to, to think along those lines, and we also shifted Pastor Kiefer's role this year to have an increased focus on evangelism and local outreach. The session has also recognized that as a large church, it takes greater effort and initiative to notice visitors and welcome them than it does in a small church. I hope that you've heard me and others emphasize this and encourage every member of of Westminster to take time to look for people you don't know and to greet them and welcome them here to Westminster. In fact, I would challenge each of us to make an intentional effort to look around us and talk first with those we don't know, not with the friends and family that we do know. To make an intentional effort to look around the gathering space every week and look for those who maybe are by themselves or who you don't know or who seem to be a bit lost and to greet them and welcome them here. But in our discussions, our session agreed that of these three goals, reaching, welcoming, and shepherding, the highest priority among these goals and the one that would take the most effort for us to grow in was shepherding. The way our session put it a couple of times is if you want to be cared for and you take the initiative to be involved and to reach out to us, we think we do a good job of caring for you by and large. But we are not always good at being proactive to reach out to you to see how you are doing and how we can care for you. So we've spent the last two years praying about and planning or how to pursue this goal. And as we begin to take some steps in this area, I wanted to spend this week and next week reviewing what the Bible says to the elders of the church and to the congregation as a whole about the shepherding care that should characterize God's church. So in order to do that, I want to look first this morning at 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And so if you do have your Bibles open, let's read together from God's Word. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth that it gives us. And I pray this morning that you would use it to work in our hearts, to draw us to our Savior, and make us faithful to you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Throughout history, many people have earned certain names or nicknames based on their character or their actions. And we could take U.S. presidents just for a small sampling of this fact. Andrew Jackson, for instance, was widely referred to as Old Hickory, summoning up the image of a hickory tree because of his steadfastness and his resolve as a military commander in the War of 1812 and in several military campaigns afterwards. Teddy Roosevelt was known by quite a few names, actually. The Lion, the Colonel, the Rough Rider. All of these names capturing Teddy Roosevelt's energetic leadership and his full-throttle approach to everything he did. On the other hand, of course, there was Calvin Coolidge. He earned the nickname Silent Cow. One writer said that Coolidge spoke so little that whenever he did open his mouth, a moth flew out. But the nickname, of course, captured Coolidge's philosophy of government, which he stated, the government's job is to get out of the way as much as possible. So these nicknames were not just fun ways to refer to a person, they were to tell us something about the character and the leadership of the person they were describing. And of course, Scripture does the same thing. Scripture uses names and metaphors to tell us about the character of God, for instance. God is called a rock and a refuge, the Alpha and the Omega. We could take a whole sermon series on the names and the the analogies used to describe God's character. But when we ask ourselves, well, what is the most common word or title that is used in Scripture to describe the earthly leaders among God's people, the consistent answer, both in Old Testament and New, is the word shepherd. The word shepherd is used repeatedly throughout Scripture to describe those that God calls to lead among His people. And as we think about the significance of that term for the church, 1 Peter 5 summarizes well the main point that I want us to see. And that is that the essence of being an elder, the heart, the mindset, the central calling that God has given to the elders in the church can be summed up in this charge, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Now this week, I want us to see God's calling to be a shepherd, the importance of shepherding, and some challenges to shepherding before next week we'll look in more detail at what shepherding means or involves. But this week, let's begin by looking at the Bible's calling to elders to shepherd the flock. In, in the letter we just read from, First Peter, Peter has given many encouragements to a group of churches that are in what is currently the country of Turkey. But as he comes to the end of this letter, to the last chapter, 
he has an exhortation to give specifically to the elders of the church. And if you strip away all of Peter's subordinate clauses, this is a long sentence, and, and Peter adds many qualifiers and additional notes, but if you boil it down to the heart, to the main point of Peter's exhortation, it is this. I exhort the elders, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. The word shepherd here is an imperative. It is a command. It is something that Peter is, is instructing the elders to do. And, and the word for shepherd is placed first in the clause, in the emphatic position. So, so Peter is emphasizing, elders, my instruction for you, the one thing you must do, the essence of your calling, is to shepherd the portion of God's flock in which he has put you. Peter, as it turns out, is not alone in this emphasis. This isn't something that Peter thought up of. Back in Acts chapter 20, when the Apostle Paul was getting ready to return to Jerusalem and the Spirit had told him that he was going to be arrested and imprisoned, as he was heading back, Paul summoned the elders of the church in Ephesus. And in Acts 20, verse 28, he gave them one parting charge. And his one charge was this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he has obtained with his own blood. Now Paul is actually using very specific shepherding language. He talks about a flock and overseers. And overseers in a flock were those who were hired by the owners of the sheep to take care of the sheep on the owner's behalf. And so for Paul, elders are shepherd overseers called by the owner of the sheep, which is God himself, to care for his flock, the church. Of course, Peter and Paul here, in turn, were doing nothing other than using the language God himself had used all throughout the Old Testament for the leaders among his people. We could look at Psalm seventy-eight, seventy-one. We could look at Isaiah 63, 11. We could look at Jeremiah 23. We could look at Ezekiel 34 and, and multiple other passages, all of which refer to the leaders of Israel as the shepherds of God's people. So what does it mean to be a shepherd? We'll look at that in more detail next week. But for now, I think we can say this. These verses show us the essential task. A shepherd is to proactively pay attention to the sheep in order to care for the sheep. That's what a shepherd does. He watches the sheep in order to care for the sheep. In other words, the job of a shepherd is a very sheep-oriented job. And here's where we need to be very careful that the church follows Scripture and does not fall into the world's leadership models. If we were to ask this question, are elders primarily board members who make decisions for the church as an organization, or are elders primarily men who care for people the biblical answer is quite clear. Elders are primarily not decision makers, but shepherds who care for people. They are to know and to care for the flock that they serve. Now, I hope it's obvious, of course, that any shepherd has to make decisions. A shepherd has to say, well, what do our sheep need to be fed? What dangers might our sheep run into? If we fed in this pasture this week, what pastures do we need to to?" feed on in the future. So as a part of caring for their sheep, shepherds make decisions and elders will certainly make decisions as part of their leadership of the church. However, decision making is just an expression of the elders calling to care for their sheep. 
And their decisions will only benefit the sheep if they are not based on pragmatic principles or general organizational acumen, but on knowing their sheep. What is happening in their lives? What do they need? And therefore, what should we do to best care for them individually and as a flock? The main thing, though, that Scripture repeats again and again is that God's calling to elders in the church is to shepherd the flock of God that is among you, to care for the people that the Lord died to make his own. Now we might ask, okay, well, if this is the calling that the Bible places on elders, why does Scripture put such an emphasis on this calling to shepherd? And so next, as a second point this morning, I want us to see the importance of shepherding God's people. I think we can see the importance of shepherding emphasized in a unique way in John chapter 21, where Jesus is speaking to Peter after his resurrection. And those of you who have read the Gospel of John will remember the scene. The last time Jesus and Peter saw each other in person, Peter was denying Jesus three times. But now, as Jesus has risen from the grave, he shows up on the beach with a fish breakfast and invites Peter to sit down and eat with them. And there Jesus graciously restores his relationship with Peter and reiterates Peter's calling as an apostle. And three times Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And three times Jesus reiterates his calling to Peter as a leader of his people. But the way Jesus summarizes Peter's calling is quite striking. You know, if I were a a playwright and I was going to script this conversation, I would have done it differently. I probably would have had Jesus call Peter to several different important things he was supposed to do as an apostle. I would have had him say, well, then Peter, preach the word. And, And Peter, declare the gospel. And Peter, care for the people of the church. But interestingly, Jesus doesn't do that. He tells Peter to do essentially just one thing. And he reiterates it with triple emphasis. He says, Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, tend my sheep. Peter, feed my sheep. Three times he called Peter to shepherd his flock. Everything Peter did was to be an expression of this one calling to be a shepherd of Christ's sheep. Now, why would shepherding be so important that it would be the one thing Jesus would call Peter to do, that it would be the summary of what God calls the leaders and his people to be? I think there's two reasons why shepherding is so important. The first is this. Shepherding is one of the primary ways that God describes his own care for his people. If we want to ask, well, how does God care for his people? How does God describe his own love and care for his people? The answer is, as a shepherd. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters, restores my soul, leads me in paths of righteousness, goes with me and protects me in the valley of the shadow of death. Or how about Isaiah 40, verse 11, God, the mighty one, tends his flock He tends his flock and gathers his lambs in his arms and leads those who are with young. Or John 10, 14, as Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own, and my own know me, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Who is God? How does God describe his love and care for us as a shepherd? And like any employer who asks his employees to act in a way consistent with the company's character and standards, it should not surprise us at all that if God describes his own love and care for his people in terms of a shepherd's care for his sheep, that God would then call the elders in his church to watch over his flock as his representatives while the church remains on earth in the same terms, with the same heart, with the same knowledge, with the same love and care for his people that God has for the church, that they would be shepherds, overseers on his behalf as his representatives among his people. Shepherding is how God's leaders in his church reflect the image of God and fulfill his calling. So I think that's the first reason why the scripture puts such an emphasis on shepherding. But the second reason I think scripture puts such an emphasis on shepherding is a very simple reason. And that is that you and I are like sheep. Isaiah, what does it say? All we like sheep have gone astray. We are prone to wander. And I realize sheep is not the most flattering comparison that could be made about us, but it is what Scripture repeatedly says. We stray, we wander, we are like sheep, and if we are like sheep, what do we need? We need a shepherd. I mean, just think about what sheep are like. Sheep are followers. One blogger who has a, a flock of sheep at his farm wrote that if he or his sheepdog or a ram is unexpectedly absent, his whole flock will just stand still in utter confusion, totally paralyzed and unable to move in any direction until the tension gets so high that one of the sheep just starts walking and all of the rest of them just follow wherever they're going, no matter if it's good, logical, or helpful. Of course, sheep are not just followers, though. Sheep are also wanderers. Sheep have a natural instinct to get out of wherever they are, even if wherever they are is really good for them. Another farmer described his sheep's routine how each morning and also at times in the evening, his sheep would make a rounds of the pasture and test each of the links of the, the fence to see if there was any opening that they might be able to get out. And he described how as many late nights or early mornings he was awakened from bed by a honking as his sheep had succeeded in leaving the pasture to waltz down the road in the midst of traffic. Oh, the joy of the freedom to our harm. That is the habit of sheep. But sheep are not just followers and they're not just wanderers. Sheep are also prolific at doing things to hurt themselves and each other. I was reading another sheep owner who described his feeding trough for the sheep. It was a long line uh, of food with many holes, many openings that the sheep could re reach in and get their food. But he described how two of his sheep decided that despite several dozen openings, two of his sheep wanted to eat from the same hole at the same time, and none of the other options were good enough from them. And so these two sheep vied with each other to smash their heads into the same opening at the same time. And this shepherd was bemoaning the, the, the fact that eventually they succeeded and got stuck, and the pressure was so great that the one on the bottom was choked to death. Another shepherd described how his had one sheep particularly who every day 
would repeatedly hurl itself against the six-inch openings in the fence, trying to get out of the barnyard into the pasture, even though the gate was open just several yards away. See, this is what sheep are like. And we are sheep. We so easily give in to the peer pressure of following others to pursue folly. We so quickly insist on our own way, often to our own hurt and the hurt of others. And we so often think that the same old temptations of the world are going to really make us happy this time and help us cope with our problems. So we throw ourselves at those same temptations again and again while the invitation to salvation stands wide open just next to us. And so I think we could say, biblically, given our desperate need as sheep and given the Lord's perfect care, which we are to reflect here on earth if he calls us to do so, I think it's easy to see why the Bible puts such an emphasis on the importance of shepherding care in his church. But when we see this calling, this calling to shepherd God's people, when we see the importance of shepherding, I want to look thirdly to acknowledge the challenges of shepherding in the church. The first thing we have to say is that being involved in each other's lives is always harder and more time-consuming than attending a meeting or than showing up at church for an hour and then going home. See, the closer we get to one another, the more our sins and our differences and our oddities begin to rub against each other. And the more time we commit to spending with one another, the more our free time and our schedules are pressed in other areas. Of course, this is exactly why marriage is harder than dating, isn't it? Marriage takes commitment. Marriage means we're going to get very close to another sinner. Marriage means we don't just have the freedom to do whatever we want. We have to consider another person. Dating is much freer with much fewer commitments. But this very commitment and closeness is also why marriage is so much more of a blessing than dating. To know one another and to care for one another brings a deep blessing and joy and something that we so desperately need. The 17th century Puritan pastor Richard Baxter put it so well when he wrote, I was long convinced of it, that is the importance of proactive care, for each other in the church. He said, I was long convinced of it, but my apprehensions of the difficulties were too great. I imagined that the people would scorn it, and that none but few who had least need would submit to it, and I thought that my strength would never go through with it. Whereas upon trial, I find the difficulties almost nothing, and I find the benefits and the comforts proved to be such that I would not wish I had forborne it for all the riches of the world. Yes, it takes commitment. That is a challenge, but it is so worth it. Of course, we would have to quickly admit that in a large church like Westminster, it would be well nigh impossible for the elders to provide the shepherding care that our whole congregation needs, but the Bible doesn't call for that. In fact, the Bible tells us that elders are supposed to equip members to serve one another with the gifts that God has given them. What the Bible says is that the elders are the ones accountable to make sure the sheep are being shepherd, shepherded, not that they are responsible to do 100% of the care themselves. We're going to talk more next week about what 
this might look like, but now I think we can say many of you are involved in caring for each other even now, and some of you are going to be called and asked in the next couple of weeks to help us with some specific new ways that we can care for one another here at Westminster. But I think the thing we need to say right up front is to recognize that investing in one another's lives and committing to care for one another and to know one another is a commitment. It takes effort. It is a challenge. But it is a commitment that is so worth it. Well, that's one challenge. There's another challenge, though. Another challenge is that at some level, if we want to be honest ourselves, we kind of like the security of keeping our distance of not being known too well. Because you know how much we like it when our spouses see our weaknesses and even have the audacity sometimes to call us out for our weaknesses. It's a lot easier for us to keep walls up, to keep a good impression without showing any cracks in our personal lives than it is to have others, even others who care for us, want to know us and encourage us in our walk with the Lord. You know, last week when we were finishing up the book of Judges, we talked about today's radical individualism. An individualism which suggests that each person should be free to decide for themselves what is right and good. And I think most of us would be quick to condemn this spirit of the age that says, hey, you do you, I'll do me, just tolerate one another. Most of us would be quick to condemn progressive Christianity with its emphasis that as long as you believe in Jesus, anything beyond that is fair game. And yet, despite that, many of us want to think that as long as I believe in Jesus, I should be free to decide how much or how little I want to be invested in my faith. Many of us want to retain the control over my own life and don't want to allow others in to see my needs and weaknesses or potentially even challenge me over my weaknesses. Brothers and sisters, don't we have to say that a church that would say it doesn't really matter if you show up to worship together regularly, rarely, or never, a church that says it doesn't really matter if you follow God's word in your personal life or not, it's really up to you and what works best for you and your family. That church is not following God's call to shepherd its people, and that church is of minimal or no spiritual benefit to our souls. I think maybe the question for each one of us this morning is, do we want our fellow followers of Christ to know us and encourage us towards godliness? Are we willing to be cared for and pointed towards Christ, even in our areas of weakness? And I think we'd have to add, remember, elders... You don't just give this care, you need this care too. Which is why every elder at their ordination swears submission to their brethren. So I and every elder and every member together, we're all in the same boat. We ought to welcome this spiritual care from one another with joy. Because these efforts to watch over our soul are for our good. We have to recognize it is a challenge to our independence to welcome this kind of care. Well, thirdly, and on the flip side, I think there is another challenge, a danger, that whenever we give someone authority or a voice in our lives, we have to trust their character. Because any authority can be abused or misused, even as it can be used for our good. And so elders must remember that their authority 
is not an invitation to superiority, but a calling to provide the feeding, guarding care that will enable others to flourish in their walk with the Lord. A care they are called to do under the accountability of God himself. And I think the way Peter describes this in 1 Peter 5 is so telling. If you still have your Bibles open there at 1 Peter 5, you see some of the ways that Peter describes it in this passage. In verse 5, he says that those who are not elders are to be subject to the elders. But elders themselves, he says in verse 3, are not to domineer over those in their care, but to be an example to the flock. And in verse 4, we're told that they are to do this under their chief shepherd, who will hold them accountable for judgment or reward when he comes again. And Peter sums up what is necessary for all of us in verse 5, when he sums up what the church needs for this shepherding care to work properly, and he says that both elders and the congregation must clothe themselves with humility towards one another. Only with such humility will we be able to receive the care that we need and will we be able to give the care that others need with a servant's heart for their good, not with a heart of superiority or judgmentalism. And so I think we need to recognize some of these challenges, even as we seek to care for one another better and as the elders seek to fulfill their calling accountable before God as shepherds of the flock among which God has put us. But as we close, perhaps the most important thing for each one of us to remember this morning is that while the church is called to care for one another and while the elders are called to a specific role in caring for the flock of God, no church on earth will ever do that perfectly. And so each of us needs to remember that our perfect care will always be found in the Lord himself. It is the Lord himself that we find the perfect care, security, love, and commitment. You know, one pastor told me a year or so ago, he said, everything we do here at the church, we do somewhere between zero and 100% effectively. He said, we strive to be as close to 100% as possible, but on this earth, no church, no body of human beings is going to perfectly care for one another and be able to provide everything that we need. That's not what we are supposed to do. That would be stepping into the Lord's role himself. And we all know, don't we, if we stay part of any congregation for long enough that that congregation is going to let us down in some way. Their elders are going to let us down in some way. It's part of being in close fellowship with fellow sinners and fellow finite human beings. Which is why, even as we talk about the calling of elders to care for a congregation, why we are to be involved in one another's lives, all of this conversation should point us all the more strongly back to the fundamental truth that the Lord is our shepherd. And whatever happens around us, He is the one who perfectly cares for our souls. Jesus Himself is our good shepherd. He is the one who pursues us in our sin. He is the one who grabs hold of our hearts even while we're frolicking on our way to death. He is the one who grants us peace and security. He is the one who brings us beside still waters. He is the one who leads us and guides us in paths of righteousness. He is the one who stands with us perfectly even in danger and dismay and despair. He is the one who laid down his life 
for his sheep. He is the one who knows us by name and he is the one who brings us to his father who is greater than all and no one can snatch us from his hand. And so even as we seek to care for one another as the word of God calls us, God is the one who cares for us perfectly and whatever has happened or will happen, we are firm and stand on solid ground under his shepherding love. And so as you pray for us, and I I hope you do pray for us as a church to be better at taking initiative to care for this flock, even as we all seek to love and care for one another as God enables us, remember that every single one of us this morning is invited to rest in the perfect care of Jesus. And if you have surrendered your life to follow him in faith, then you have the perfect care that you need in the Lord, who can be trusted and who alone must be followed to find life and hope and joy forever. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your word. And as we reflect on your word this morning, I pray first that each of us would realize and recognize how much like sheep we are. I pray that each of us would realize and recognize how much our own desire for independence to be unaccountable, to keep our lives in our own hands plays at our hearts day by day. Father, how I pray that we would see our need for a shepherd. And Father, I pray that you would remind us of this calling to the elders of the church to take responsibility to make sure that the flock is being cared for. How I pray that you would help us to be willing and eager to take time to invest in each other's lives that we might care for one another and point each other to the Lord. And how I pray above all that we would find our joy and our peace and our security in the shepherding care of our Savior Jesus Christ. May we find in him our all in all. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.